to see everybody here this morning. Why don't we go ahead and uh, just join me in a brief word of prayer and we'll get into the word. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. You're so precious, Father. Your love toward us is is immeasurable and so precious. You've already blessed us so much today, Lord. And Lord, we ask for your continued blessing as the word goes forth, uh, for your glory and for the edification of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're still talking about uh, Jacob. Uh, I'm excited to get to the point in which he wrestled with God, but that's not where I was led to go today. And so that will be two weeks from now because we have the honor of of uh, uh, Ben and Deanna Elliott. Uh, their family is going to be joining us this next week, and he will be sharing the word. Uh, next week. So I'm looking forward to that, uh, to greeting them, fellowshipping with them, and just hearing what God has on his heart for us. And so uh, everyone who can, please uh, be there uh, next week, and then we will finish uh, this current uh, series of messages on uh, Esau and Jacob the following week. Praise the Lord. Uh, I would ask you to join me in Genesis chapter 28, verses 13 to 15. And we're just going to take a brief look at the time that Jacob spent with good old Uncle Laban. Praise the Lord. Time with family ain't always a good time, is it? <laughs> Genesis 28, verses 13 to 15. Uh, I believe I referenced this last week, but uh, we're going to use this as a springboard for what we're getting into this week. And it says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. You need to underline that and receive that promise of God for yourself this morning. Because this, you know, you are a part of all the families in the earth that shall be blessed through Jacob and his family. This promise is for you. It's not just his promise, it's ours. And he says, I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go. He didn't say you'd want to go wherever he leads you to go. He didn't say that you would always like whatever it is he had, he leads you to walk through. But he said, wherever and whatever, I will be with you. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Reminds me of Jesus' promise before he left. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I got to go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. But I will never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. The promise of God still stands. Do you, are you getting this this morning? So this is the promise that God gave him when he laid his head on the rock and he dreamed and he saw this ladder going up and, and, and he saw angels of the Lord ascending and descending on it. He said, God was here and I did not know it. And God gives him the promise. And he ends up, remember, he was a man on the run, isn't he? 
a man on the run, trying to escape the consequences of his actions. His mother wanted him to be with her brother, his Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban brings him in. Jacob sees Rachel. And the sky is open. And the sun shines down on her. And it's love at first sight. That literally didn't happen, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. I'm doing a terrible job. But he saw her in heavenly choir saying, and he's like, she's the one. I've got to have her as my bride. And he goes to good old Uncle Laban. And they make an agreement. Jacob is still a work in progress at this point. Aren't we all? He's still a work in progress. But he goes to him. He has not a dime to his name. Just a shirt on his back. The pants and shoes that he's wearing. He has nothing to offer Laban, but he's in love with his daughter. The one thing he can offer him is his service. And he offers seven years to work for Laban's daughter's hand in marriage. Now, from what we know of Laban, he is not one to enter into a bad deal for himself. This offer of Jacob was a really an overly generous offer. Whatever the dowry should have been, it's well below seven years worth of work. Which is odd because this is not the Jacob that we've come to know, is it? Jacob is a trickster. Jacob is a deal maker. Jacob is about striking deals that benefit him at the cost of others. This dude couldn't even give his own brother a bowl of stew without requiring his birthright from him. And then connived with mom to steal his blessing. So something's going on inside Jacob you're already beginning to see a bit of, I believe, a bit of a transformation. See, God has gotten a hold of his life. He's starting to mature. He's offering deals now that put him at a bit of a loss. Seven years. And the Bible says that it felt like it was just days he was so much in love with Rachel. The time seemed to fly just like that for the joy that was set before him. The seven years didn't seem like hard labor. And Laban was blessed during those seven years. You know, Jacob, by the time we're finished with this, there's a statement that I've heard ever since I was a little boy. The church speak. When it comes to whether or not people are hypocrites and people want to clean their lives up before they come to the church, they don't want to be one of those people when they get into the church. You know, God cleans his fish after he catches them. Right? And I think we need to remember that when he tells us that he calls us to be fishers of men. Right? So that we're not selective and we don't have respect to persons that 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 we're gonna get all the fish. I don't care how they smell, don't care how they look or whatever. We go to catch the fish. God cleans them up after they're hauled in. So Jacob, this trickster, this self-serving individual, the one who's 
didn't think twice about screwing his own brother over, is now all of a sudden you're seeing the effects of the mark of God on his life. And, and I don't even know if he understands it yet, but God's already beginning to change his character. So he offers this deal, and he works seven dutifully, faithful years. And he comes, and he's a bit forward when he says it. He's <laughs> like, all right, I'll work you for seven years. Give me my woman that I may go into her. Give me your daughter. She's mine so she can be my wife. And so daddy, or oh, good old Uncle Laban, all right, brother, let's do this. Calls a feast. Everybody gets drunk. Middle of the night, he puts his daughter in the tent. They consummate, wakes up in the morning, and it's not Rachel laying next to him. It's Leah laying next to him. Jacob now knows what it feels like to be on the other side of a trickster schemes. And so he's, what have you done for me? I, I worked seven years for you, not for her, but for Rachel. We had an agreement. And then he, and Uncle Laban is all, you know, did you not know our customs? <laughs> you know, in Haran, here in this, in this part of the, the world, we, we, I can't give my youngest daughter in marriage before the, before the older Surely you can understand my position. Now, of course, he didn't have this conversation before. He had this conversation after the deception. After it's too late. You've already consummated the marriage with Leah. Now, I guess their customs in that time where Laban's people were they didn't actually have the ceremony that we have where you exchange vows and so forth. Otherwise, the gig would have been up. I guess there was just a celebration and a consummation. And you can see how in a situation like that, deception can happen. But good old Uncle Laban, let it not be said that he's not a fair and just and forthright dude he wants to make it right with uh, Jacob and he said I tell you what give Leah a week and after the week is up you can marry Rachel you can marry her on the front end as long as you work, promise to work seven more years for me so this guy has weaseled out 14 years of work for this guy for both his daughters he knows that he loves Rachel enough. He's got a fish on the hook. He knows he loves Rachel enough that he'll agree to whatever he needs to agree to in order to have her. He's family. This is his mother's brother. This is his uncle. And yet, those blood ties didn't mean anything to Laban. Now think about this. He worked the seven years. And because of this deception, there was all kinds of conflict in his house. This is one thing Jacob is not at fault for. He has been deceived. Now, keep in mind, this is after God told him how much he's going to bless him. And he's going to be with him wherever he is. And, you know, God's promise is on him. And yet, here he is already facing some strife, some trouble, some issues. He's been deceived, so deceit. He's become the victim of deceit after the promise of God has been declared to him. And what ensues from that is familial conflict. As a sister baby-making war ensues, 
Rachel's barren. Leah's not. Rachel's loved. Leah is despised. So God opened up Leah's womb and she starts having babies like crazy. Rachel can't have them. Rachel offers her servant girl up so she can have kids for him through her. Leah stops having children. She's not able to have them for a while. She offers up her servant girl. I mean, it is a baby having Olympics going on here. Eleven sons and one daughter (laughs) later, I would say, I'm sorry, 10 sons and one daughter later, th- th- this one thing ensues involving mandrakes. I don't know what a mandrake is. I could have studied it. It's edible, whatever it is. Apparently, it's desirable enough and it tastes good enough that you can strike a deal to sleep with the husband over the mandrakes. So Leah's son has mandrakes. Uh, 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 um. No, no, no. Uh, Rachel's son has mandrakes. Leah strikes up, strikes a deal to sleep with Jacob for her mandrakes. And she ends up having a couple more sons. I just want to recount. These are, he's got strife in his family, conflict in his family. Rachel even comes to him with her broken heart wanting him to do something or just wanting to pour her heart out to him about how grieved she is that she's not able to have children. He's like, am I God? What what can I do about it? His father Isaac went before the Lord on behalf of Rebekah And God opened up her womb. So Isaac took it to God and prayed. Jacob, he doesn't have quite that relationship maturity yet with the Lord. So he's like, what can I do about it? And so she had to wallow in that. Family conflict between wives and children. But he's blessed. He's a child of promise. Apparently, he's even got a little idolatry, at least with one of his wives, because later on, Rachel steals one of her father's gods, unbeknownst to him. And Laban thought he took him. If she stole it to take with her, when she was leaving with her husband, that means that she's still clinging to some of those old beliefs and worship of those old gods. That's, so we got, that's strife. And she hid it from him, so I don't even think he's aware of it. And here we come to chapter 31. After time and time and time again, that good old Uncle Laban has deceived, mistreated, taken advantage of, blessed Jacob. Sometimes, It doesn't feel like we're blessed because of the circumstances we're confronted with. 
and we can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we're so micro in our perspective that we can't see the macro fact that we are blessed. We're still covered in the blessing and favor and provision of God. And we have to be careful to keep our eyes heavenward, to keep our, our perspective a kingdom perspective. Otherwise, we'll lose sight and we'll only see things from the perspective of our troubles, our momentary trials. And so I want to encourage you, and I believe this story of the time Jacob spent with Laban will encourage you in that. It says, now, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. The, the audacity of this is beyond ridiculous. But this is the world they live in. They have messed this man over for 20 years at this point. Their dad has taken advantage of him and has exploited him and not given him fair wage at all. And yet God has been there for him. And so the sons feel like Jacob has stolen their father's wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as he did before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred and I will be with you. He, when he left the land of his kindred, it wasn't God said, go here. This was mama's plan. But after 20 years of going through what he was subjected to, God finally says to him, go back. Go back home. Go back to the place of your kin. Go back to the place of promise. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. Let me say that again. But the God of my father has been with me. Remember I talked about perspective? He was deceived, ended up having to work 14 years to marry both sisters. His father kept changing his, or not father, his uncle kept changing his wages and, and, and kept benefiting himself at the expense of Jacob. All these hardships, and yet, Jacob's perspective acknowledges the presence of God and the working of God despite it all. You know that I've served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. These aren't raises that he's talking about. These changing of wages were not a good thing for him. But God did not permit him to harm me. Now, I want the human nature side of this is to do the same thing that we do in whenever we're um, going through parables, like the, the parable of the prodigal son. Human nature is we want to focus on the bad guy. We want to pick good guys and bad guys in stories. And I want you to take the human nature hat off today and not just look at this from the standpoint of Laban versus Jacob. But let's just look at Jacob and his walk with God. Jacob in the mess. And what can we glean about God? And what can we glean from Jacob in the mess? Because not walking with God is not all a bed of roses. Jesus was upfront about that. 
If we serve God with an expectation that it will be a bed of roses and, and life will be what's comfortable for us and everything, then we will be misguided in our walk with him. We'll be more concerned with creating favorable or pleasant surroundings than we will about walking in obedience faithfully with God. He didn't promise us a life of comfort, but he did promise he'll be our comforter. So when we need to be comforted, he will comfort us. So we need not yearn for a life of comfort. That's, that, 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 that's not how Jesus, we're followers of Christ, right? That's not what he did. If he was concerned with a life of comfort, he wouldn't have gone to the cross for us. So let's turn our tendency to look for good guys and bad guys and who's more wrong than the other. Let's just turn that off and let's just see how God is present and working in the life of Jacob. Because if we just focus on that, then this story becomes real relevant to us. There's things that we can see in here that matter to us. So despite all the stuff I complained about, look at the thing that Jacob acknowledges about God when he's, when he's relating the story to his wife. But the God of my father has been with me. There are many times in my life I didn't think God was with me. I now know he was. Circumstances can blind us if we let it to the presence of God in our story, in our situation. And a, 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 a verse or two later, he says to them, Your father's street, I've served him with all my strength. Your father cheated me. Your father changed my wages 10 times. Here is something else to note. This very present God. But God did not permit him to harm me. So I want us to see where God is in his story. 20 years of bad conditions. Living with deceit and strife. Dealing with mistreatment. Being exploited. Taken advantage of. He was being financially harmed because the father kept changing circumstances so that he couldn't profit himself. The, the, uh, 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 Rachel and Leah's father, his uncle, he made it so that Jacob could not profit from all the work that he did, although he was profiting hand over fist from Jacob's work. And yet, this trickster who screwed over his own brother out of his birthright and blessing, endured it. He didn't flee. He didn't run. He honored his word. He's learning what it means to trust God, even when it isn't easy. He's going through a hardship and he doesn't even realize what God is doing in him through it. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience to the things that he suffered. What do you think Jacob is learning? He's learning how to walk with God. He's learning how to trust God. He's learning how to rely on God and be faithful and obedient to God even when it hurts. learning that God fights for him. He doesn't always have to supplant. He doesn't always have to connive. He doesn't always have to scheme. If he's going to walk with God, he's going to have to die to self in that way and let God guide his way. So he's learning. So spiritually, he's benefiting 
in his relationship with God. In the 20-year trial that he's enduring with old uncle Laban. And he continues with them. He said, uh, but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. <laughs> See, that's what he said. You can have all the spotted ones. There weren't that many spotted ones. But all of a sudden, there became a lot of spotted ones. And, and once Laban saw that, he said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, 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 I didn't mean the spotted ones. The striped ones shall be your wages. Then all of them began to burst stripes. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. See, that's why the brothers were upset. See, Jacob tried to leave on his own before God said leave. But Laban convinced him to stay on and he stayed another six years tending his flock and the agreement was there would be a certain type of speckled, spotted ewes and uh, lambs and goats and, 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 and so forth God will vouch for my honesty that during this time that I work for you I get all of these type of sheep and goats and Laban agreed to it and then every sheep and goat that fit the description that he said, he got his sons to take all of them and take them three days away. So he was conniving. But then God led Jacob to do something and, and God made it <laughs> so that all of the agreed upon sheep and goats those were the ones that were that kept being born. And next thing you know, the herd is full of the ones that were agreed to give to Jacob. And Laban's sons and Laban, all of a sudden, their attitude turned. They couldn't connive their way out of this one. And Jacob decided it's time to get out of here. And he talked to his wives and they got, they were like, look, he squandered all the money that... <laughs> you know, that he got for us and his inheritance and so forth, inheritance for our kids or with what God has blessed you with. So no reason for us to stay here. We'll go with you. And he tells them about a dream. His wives, he tells them about a dream that God gave him during the breeding season of the flock. He said, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the ghost that made it with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see. All the ghosts that made with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. See, that's another thing in there. God has seen it all. See, we... we we don't have to stress. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry. We don't have to, you know, wring our hands and try to uh, and try to fight our own battles and make up our own schemes because God sees everything that we have been subjected to, and His promise still stands. Right? Will we, will we stand on the promise of God even when all around us looks like the promise of God is too far away to be attained? When the bully keeps landing shots on us and we feel pressed on every side, we feel struck down and, 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 and beaten and defeated, do the promises of God still stand? Do they? Do we believe that? See, that's when the rubber meets the road. That's when we need to stand. God, I believe there are circumstances telling me something contrary to what your word says, but on your promises, I stand. On the word of God, I stand. For that is truth. 
that endures. These troubles will end, but the promise of God stands forever. Amen? And so God told him that in a dream. You know, and it's, if we will incline our ear to the Lord, if we will take the issues of our heart, the, the, the things that trouble our minds, the things that are troublesome in our circumstances, if we will discipline ourselves to take that to the Lord and entrust him with it, see, then we're posturing ourselves to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord as he will, he will speak to us in ways that will anchor us and help us help us sustain or have the peace of God in the midst of the chaos. We're not worried about demanding an end to it right now because we're confident in the knowledge that he's in it with us. And we're confident that the one who's in it with us, the promise that he gave us in his word still stands. And it shall surely come to pass. So he's with us. He's with Jacob. He's with you. He saw every way Jacob was mistreated. He sees every way you're mistreated. And he might have allowed you to go through some uncomfortable and unfortunate circumstances, but he did not allow you to be harmed or your life to be taken. We got to look for the, the reasons to rejoice rather than focusing on the reasons to complain. I'm reminded of Paul who asked three times for the thorn, whatever that represents, to be taken from him. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And so rather than complaining about the thorn that will not be taken away, Paul said, well, then I will glory in my weakness. So that, so that the strength of God can be, made, can be uh, proclaimed. So that the strength of God can be manifested because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. In every I can't, there is a God not only can, but he will. So we don't have to worry about our being unable when we can always rely on the one who is able a perfect opportunity for him to be exalted and glorified in our lives. Are we willing to be weak that the strength of God can be manifested and made perfect through us? Does the bank account have to be full? Do the cars always have to run without incident? Do the neighbors always have to be nice? All right? Do the bosses always have to be fair? Can we acknowledge that the earth is full of flawed people, including us? <laughs> And as long as flawed people occupy the world, there's going to be injustice, unfairness, misfortune, bad circumstances, travails, persecution, trials, tribulations, difficulties, all kinds of things. We're going to just be subject to that. Can we just acknowledge that that's the reality that we're going to be facing? But in, 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 in our acknowledging of that, we can know that we are not adequate to face all those things, right? And acknowledging that, can we then rest in that place being content that, okay, God, I am not enough for all this, but you are more. 
than enough for all this. You are my Jehovah Jireh pertaining to all of this. And I put my trust in you. And Lord, I am willing to let your strength be made perfect in my weakness. Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. I think I mentioned this to Johnny. Well, I know I did. Did you not? All three of these men, these patriarchal fathers, had the promise that God was going to bless all families of the world through them. And every one of them went through serious trials. And obviously, neither one of them saw the coming to fruition of that promise. So it tells me, though, that along with blessing, if we want to be blessed, then we better get our minds around the fact that struggle comes along with the blessing. The wives of all three, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, started off not being able to have children. All were able to bear, Sarai was able to bear a child by divine intervention. Rebecca, the same, she was barren. The one who Jacob loved, Rachel, was barren and unable to bear children. And God had to open her womb. And I believe that that's a foreshadowing of eventually the one through whom all the families of the earth would be blessed, Christ, the Messiah, would be born through divine intervention, divine means, divine providence of God. God was foreshadowing that even as far back as Genesis. You know, why would God allow that? Why would he let the, why, why would these great women of God who are a part of God's purpose and plan to bless the earth through the Messiah, have to go through barrenness. But it, it was all a part of God's plan and purpose, all a part of the vision. We don't have to see every bit of it. We don't have to understand every bit of it. Can we trust that God has got it all under control? He says, lift up your eyes, God told him, and he told him all the goats in his dream, flocked, striped, spotted, mottled, for I have seen all these done to you. Rachel and Leah agree to go with him. So they flee. They run. They know that Jacob knows that Laban and his sons will not let them leave. They will catch him. They will take everything they got. And if they let them leave, they would only leave with the clothes on their bodies. But Laban caught up with them anyway. And I'm going to end here in uh, the 36th verse through 42nd. But Laban was mad at him. Why'd you trick me? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Just Laban asking that question. <laughs> Why'd you trick me? He's been 20 years tricking this man. He asked him, why you trick me? Why'd you sneak off with my daughters and grandchildren and all this? Why'd you trick me, man? I can't believe you would do this to your good old uncle. Jacob didn't know it, but Rachel stole one of her father's gods and, uh, or idols. And Laban asked him why he did that. But to show you how God was looking out for Jacob, God spoke to Laban and made sure if Laban had any intention to do him harm, God let him know. Don't say anything good. Don't say anything bad. Don't you touch that man. He let him catch up to him, but Laban knew when he got there, 
There was only so far he could go. So he played the aggrieved uncle. And so Jacob told him, hey, you and your men, search everywhere. Whoever has your, your idol shall die. He didn't know his beloved had the idol. And that's a message for another day. But after they found nothing, verse 36, Jacob was wroth. Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. These 20 years I've been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried. And I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. It's a different Jacob. God's done a work in this man. From my hand, you required it. Whether it's stolen by day or it was stolen by night. There I was. By day, the heat consumed me. And the cold consumed me by night. And my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I have been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. Pay attention to this. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. See, see, God rebuked you last night. That's why you didn't come here as aggressively as you could have because God told you to stand down. And I'm just going to tell you like it is. I know you. I've worked for you for 20 years. I know you're a no-good scoundrel. I know that if God had not been on my side, you would have sent me away empty-handed. And that's another thing that we can learn from Jacob. 20 years of going through what he went through, and this man still recognized that through it all, God was by his side. You need to put yourself into remembrance that God is by your side. You may not get everything you want. Things may not have played out the way you wanted them to. But it's not about your will. It's about his will being done. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. And if God wants to work in your life in a manner that subjects you to this kind of treatment for a season, then we just need to say, yes, Lord. Whatever, whatever your purpose for me going through this season of my life, give me the wisdom and understanding to know how to walk with you faithfully and obediently through it. That your purpose and plan and your will might be accomplished in me and my life. See, that's where our focus needs to be. That's the thing that we can learn from this. If we're not focused on characters and, you know, who deserves this and who deserves that, nobody deserves the favor of God in this story. Just like Nobody in this house deserves the grace of God. Nobody in this house deserves the salvation of God. But he didn't give it to us on the merits. Right? He gave it to us because he loves us. He loves us so much he desires to be in communion with us. So the unfitness of the characters a lot of times gets too much focus. We miss the heart of God when we focus on things like that. We miss what God reveals of himself when we focus on those things that matter to us but don't matter so much to him. 
if God, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. And here is the thing. I'm sorry, I know I'm going a little bit long. Give me about five minutes to wrap this thing up. So when you look at Jacob's time there in Haran, there is a heck of a lot to complain about. Deceit, family conflict and strife, injustice, constant injustice from an in-law, <laughs> from, a, from his uh, uncle. Yeah, who became his father-in-law. And it got so bad that he had, to, he felt he had to flee, grab his and get out of Dodge. Think about that. All the stuff he had to do and ask yourself, is that blessing? Does that sound like blessing to you? When you just list the problems, how does that sound blessed? Does that sound like blessing to you? Where is the blessing in all of that? But if we look at it from a larger perspective, here's the thing that we need to see. Jacob came to his uncle Laban empty-handed. And he's going to leave his uncle Laban with not one, but two families. Herds and flocks, he's, he's going to leave an abundantly wealthy man He's leaving there despite the efforts of his uncle-turned-father-in-law. Despite his every effort to profit from Jacob and then just cast him in the trash after he was done with him, God did not allow his uncle's intentions to come to pass. If we would be willing to trust God, who knows how God will turn things in our favor, how he will turn it for our good. How often do we get in the way because we can't sit still and trust God? We've got to fix it ourselves. Jacob reveals to us The story of Jacob in those 20 years he spends with his uncle reveals to us that God has got our backs. It's unimaginable what God can do, the blessing that God can bring about in our lives despite the worst circumstances. So the promise that he gave him in, that, in Genesis 28, the verse that I started off with, I'll be with you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised. 20 years later, it comes to pass. He leaves. God didn't necessarily promise to bless him with wealth, but he leaves and goes back to the promised land with wealth he did not have when he left. So often we experience trials, difficulties, and we complain. And I get it. I've, I've been among the complaining party. I am a, maybe not a founding member, but I'm a member in good standing. I can lodge a complaint, boy. I can do that. About how hard life is. How unfair 
our situation is. But when I, every time I do it, I'm not seeing the forest for the trees. All I'm doing is seeing the trees in front of me. And God challenges me to enlarge my perspective. There's more to your story than the things you see to complain about. Blessing always comes amid conflict. I dare you to go through the Bible, go through the Bible, any character, especially those that are part of the line where God said that through you, your family and all the families of the earth will be blessed. I challenge you to go through those stories and not see the conflict that was included, baked in to the story of promise and blessing. All of them went through. Struggle is a part of the blessing. Sometimes we act as if God promised us a bed of roses. No, he promised to bless us and be with us. But he doesn't promise us a tiptoe through the tulips. It's not the first time I've quoted this, but Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I'm going to ask you to stand. This is God's word. This is God's promise. This is God's message for you today. So if you're feeling beat up on, mistreated, defeated, not seen by God, feeling sorry for yourself, I remind you of what Jesus said to his disciples, take heart. Don't be discouraged. Take heart, my child. Take heart, my son. Take heart, my daughter. I have overcome the world. This momentary problem that you don't feel that you can overcome, take heart. Don't be discouraged because I have overcome the world. And if Jesus has overcome the world, he's already overcome whatever you can encounter. He can end it if it be his will to end it when you want him to end it. But his will may be different than yours. So be open. Do like Jacob did for the 20 years that he was subjected to deceit, mistreatment, changed wages, conniving, scheming by his uncle slash father-in-law, Laban. Jacob learned something. God allowed him to go through that 20-year period because God he turned it for his good because God taught him something in that 20 years. Don't rely on your brain. Don't rely on your schemes. Don't rely on tricks and so forth and so on. Rely on God. Rely on the Lord your God. He will deliver what he has promised. He will do what he has said. When it gets hard, Will you rest in his promises and say, Lord, I will wait for your salvation. Lord, I will wait for the purpose of God to be fulfilled 
in this situation. I will endure what I must. Because my God is faithful. His promises are yes and amen. So if that's you today, and you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're feeling defeated, you're feeling beat up on, you're feeling like God's not present with you, you're feeling like God isn't aware of what's going on, or you feel like God is indifferent, those are your feelings lying to you. The heart is deceitful above all things who can know it. That heart will lie to you if you let it. You pull down all that nonsense that's exalting itself against the knowledge of Christ. And you elevate in your mind and in your heart the promise of God. What God has said. And let that peace of God that passes all understanding guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Father God, I pray your blessing on your people today, Lord. If there's any here struggling in a season of life where they feel taken advantage of, mistreated, deceived, beaten down by the issues and challenges of life, I pray that they are encouraged today through the story of Jacob, that they're encouraged, that God sees, that Jacob even said of himself, if my God, the God of my father Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, Laban would have sent me off empty-handed. I would have been harmed if God hadn't been with me. I pray that they are encouraged today, Lord, and reminded to bring themselves into remembrance of what your word says, to bring themselves into remembrance of what your promises are, and that they will be determined to lay claim to the promises of God and, 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 and trust in your faithfulness to them. Bless everyone, Lord, as we go our separate ways, Lord, let this message not stay here. Let this message not die in the minds and hearts of the people here, but let them meditate on it. The truths contained herein, let them meditate on it. Let them commit it to prayer. Uh, Lord, let it drive them to search these things out in your word, uh, Lord, and to make themselves more available to you, Lord. Let it drive them to do what they need to do in order for this to be planted in their hearts and to, for it to become real to them. This I pray for their benefit and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I just want to bless you in the Lord. Um, I, I, I cannot end without an altar call. If you don't know the Lord or not sure whether or not you know the Lord or you've been backslidden and <laughs> you know that you have created distance between you and God and you're not walking with him like you should. I want to encourage you uh, to come boldly, confidently, knowing how much God loves you. And let's, let's settle, settle up with God today. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Today is the day for salvation. Today is the time right now this moment is the time to make things right with God who knows whether this is your last opportunity I hope not but who can know 
Our days are numbered. But I know for sure how much God loves you and how much he wants you to spend eternity with him. He demonstrated that love by giving his only begotten son to die on the cross for you. And you can show, you can love him back by receiving the gift of salvation that our precious Lord and Savior Jesus died to give you. Hallelujah. And then if there's anyone else who need prayer for any reason, it would be an honor to pray for you, to join you in prayer as you believe in God for whatever it is you're believing him for. 